Welcome everyone to the Rasul Show. I'm your host Rasul Chaudhary. I can't wait to jump into today's podcast episode. Episode number 145, we have a special guest, Patrick Keller. In this episode, we will discuss with Patrick the topic of his newest book, Finding Your Six. So don't forget to subscribe, leave a review on our podcast. Let's dive in. Hi, Patrick. Thank you so much for joining me this podcast episode. Really appreciate it, man. How are you today? Oh, man. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me, Rachel. Yeah, the pleasure is mine. Uh, I know you've got busy time, busy schedule and everything, given us time. And yeah, I'd love to have like great conversation with you. And that's what I'm looking for today. So today we're going to talk about your book, Finding Your Six, right? And before I get to the book and learning more about what's in the book, I'd love to know more about you and how you come across with writing a book being an entrepreneur yourself how did you come up with all of this stuff like a lot of people couldn't figure out themselves <laughs> how did you figure out yeah i think like like most things it's it's really about falling on your face and getting back up <laughs> that's yeah. what entrepreneurship in many ways is um maybe it's not the sexiest version of how to talk about it but uh the truth is just you know fumbling forward and going through my own disruptions both on the personal mm-hmm. side and, and professional side and um you know the book really is is about weathering our own disruptions and and it's a it's a methodology for for understanding listen you know if you're in business or just in life uh trying to make it through without without really getting your rear end handed to you when the next true disruption happens and it's just going to happen i mean you know we when we think of disruption we think of sort of the classic um dr christensen from harvard's concept that you know really predicted things like blockbuster getting crushed by yeah. you know by by you know all sorts of you know, incumbents there or you know what happened to travel agents and that sort of thing right mm-hmm. that's the type of disruption we think about is we think oftentimes about tech disruption the reality is there's all sorts of disruption whether it's a competitor coming into your marketplace um whether it's somebody just trying to outspend you whether it's somebody doing what you do just cheaper and it's a race to the bottom. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to see all that type of stuff. It could be recession, inflation, <laughs> like we're coming up on yeah. now. And um, it was a COVID, yeah. And so we, we all face it no matter what we're in. And so my, my background in business has, you know, uh, I've been really fortunate to, to make it through some disruptive pre- periods. Um, I, I, I own a real estate firm. We have different branches, so we're both on the commercial as well as the residential side. Um, we're into land development, that sort of thing. Um, and I also coach people. And what I've seen across all those industries is that, you know, if, if you're doing something that, is, uh, that can be easily repeated by, by tech or outsourced, um, you're in a disruption-prone stance going into the next year of your business. And so mm-hmm. as we think about, you know, how do I disruption proof my business? How do I do something that that not only do I enjoy, but I'm going to enjoy 10 years from now and it's going to actually grow because okay. a business is, is an asset and you're either investing into that asset wisely and that asset is, you know, sort of a class A asset or it's um or you're you're investing in an, in an old asset that's that is becoming more and more disruption prone. Yeah, that's a great way to look at it. We oftentimes build a business and we don't actually think as an asset because we're thinking about the money, the cash flow we are thinking of. Right. But all I spoke to one of the guys I interviewed and 
he helps businesses to for sale. So you don't really have to sell the business, but you can build it for a sale. Something can happen because your health is not right and you can't manage it, you're overwhelmed. Or probably you passed away, your family can sell it or they can run it. So you have to have like a system in place. And I like the fact like a lot of people don't think about like it's an asset they think of the real estate is an asset like their home is an asset other than that like a business is a cash flow machine and they they're not built to sell so coming to the your book and uh, you said there is a six point in your book right because of the title it says like what is the yeah. Six point? yeah so find your six find your six really came from um like i said my own failure forward but as i began research researching this book one of the things I was trying to figure out is, okay, what has made the most successful people who I know successful over the course of their entire career, regardless mm -hmm. of industry? What, what, what are the, what are the common denominators? And I, and so I, I had the great fortune of speaking to just over 60 people about their careers. And these are people I, I was interviewing who were in the latter few years of their, of their career, you know, yeah. late sixties or so, most of them. And what, what I found is as I spoke to them about their, their business, their business trajectory, their career, again, regardless of industry, what I found is that the common denominator for all these people is there was just a handful of really impactful yeah. people in their, in their world that had been deal sort of game changers for them. Mm. And in the book, I call these influencers. And what I found is that the average, after I took that, that sample size of all those people. And I averaged the number of people they spoke about per capita, the average number of people who these, these again, really high performers had needed over the course of their entire career was just yeah. six people. It was just six relationships and six very just massively impactful. They could speak about all these people by name. They still, you know, had their selves. They were good friends. Um, these were people who mentored them. These were people who allowed them to, to land major accounts. These were people who were pivotal for their business to have success and to weather the storms of disruption over a 45 plus year career. Right. And, and, and actually to open opportunity for them that they would have never seen without these people. Yeah. And that was really striking to me. And so what I, what I wanted to do in this book was to codify what almost seems accidental for these folks, as I was interviewing, like, well, and then I ran into this person and I was connected to this other person from this person. It was amazing. But what I did in the book was to codify the lessons from how they ended up with these tremendous influencers mm -hmm. and how to think about those influencers. And so that's what the book is all about. And the question that I wanted to answer for myself is, okay, if it takes six, you know, six people over the course of an entire career to, to really blow up somebody's um, trajectory, what would it look like if you could find those six people in six months or a year for somebody's trajectory? And so the book spends, the latter half of the book is really about how to go find these people and, and how to go do that. So the six refers to those six influencers. Yeah, so, so who are those actually six people? Like you categorize like a lesson account and not could be someone in the family or like a friend circle? Yeah, so I think it depends on, on what you're looking for. So I've had, I'll give you two sort of really uh, pertinent examples from from my life, but also in, in the feedback that I've gotten. So the book's been out for a few months and I've had 
some people, uh, I, I wrote it as, as really a sales book, you know, because right. we're in business and we can apply yeah. these ideas to sales. And so the, the title of the book is Stop Lead Generating, Start Building Influence, or the subtitle of the book is that. And it's meant to sort of jolt people because we think we think, we think about lead generation as, you know, gosh, when you're lead generating, you're trying to find thousands and thousands of people and you're just trying to get that 1% or that half a percent of, of, of the people yeah. to buy whatever you're trying to trying to sell. And that's the antithesis of going and finding your six. And so we can talk about that. And, and it, that was a fascinating sort of realization to me on the lead generation side. But you can apply this to sales and that's how I wrote the book. But I've, I've had a number of people who have read the book who have been really successful in sales say, I wish I had this book at the, at the beginning of my career mm -hmm. so that I could have found the mentors that have helped me get to where I am today faster because it really is, it's really the art of relationships and you can apply the art of relationship and relationship building and business to whoever, whatever six you need. Um, you know, frankly, if you wanted to run a marathon, go find your six, You're, you know, those are gonna be different people than, you know, to build a tremendous book of business or to mentor you maybe at the beginning of, of your career. So, you know, the, the six, I think are really important every aspect of our lives. The book is very much focused on sales. Um, you know, but for me, for example, in the real estate space, I've, I've found, and, and you sort of have a rotating six. So I've found um, great financial advisors. They're trusted at a super high level. When they put their name to me, that trust is transferable. And that's one of the principles I talk about in the book. And so, gosh, we end up working with our clients a hundred times out of a hundred. Um, builders, land developers have been really essential and, and, and we, we don't have a ton. We've got one, maybe one and a half really, really amazing developers who we work with, who can look at deals and who trust us implicitly. And, and we've forged that relationship over years and years and years, but we were introduced to that person through a mutual contact. So the trust was really high right away. Um, so those are some examples in my own life of, of how that works. Um, one of the first people who, and I write about him in the book, who uh, I ran into, I remember going and sitting down and having a conversation with this friend of mine. And I was desperate just for the knowledge of how to, how to get through the next big disruption in my industry. He was in a sort of an adjacent industry. And um, I just asked about him for 45 minutes like a good podcast host, right? You're just yeah. asking great questions and, and drawing things out. And at the end of it, he said, you know, Pat, you're going to be really successful in real estate. I thought, well, we haven't talked about real estate at all. <laughs> and he said, you know, I can tell by the types of questions you're asking that you're, you know, you're going to be really successful. I want to do two things. If you run into a great investment, let me know. I'd love to, I'd love to invest with you. Mm -hmm. And the second thing that he that he told me is i'm going to connect you to three other really great people who you don't know yet but i'm going to put my name to 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 you and i think you're going to have an amazing relationship with them and sure enough those people ended up being tremendous relationships and what i realized from that was that gosh what would my what would my my whole business look like if instead of worrying about you know how many hundreds of people i could dial and see if they had something you know yeah. had a need that i could fulfill what if I had one of those conversations every single day? Yeah. How long would I be excited about having those types of conversations versus sort of the old lead gen stuff that I had been taught? 
And the answer was, I could do this. I could do this until I'm old and gray and want to pass my business on to my kids or sell it um, to someone else because I'm, I'm going to build that asset. And, um, and that was really sort of a pivotal moment for me and taught me just sort of the power of just what one of those six can do for you in one meeting. Yeah, a lot of businesses can be referrals and they get you like a next level, right? With a matter of time rather than like a grinding it out day in, day out for like two, three years. But yeah, majority of my listeners are like they are small to medium-sized business owners and they're building their businesses from the startup phase or like some kind of growth they're looking at. So in terms of like if they want to implement it on their business about your book teaching, like finding your six could be the early stage or could be like on the scaling side, they're probably building their sales team, probably they're building a great team in general, like their top level executive level. How yeah. do they can find like a great talent or great relationship with like a great people they can work on, like having like a great running mates for long term? Sure. Yeah, I think it's a great way to think of it in terms of running. Um, yeah. You know, the here's, I guess the first thing I'd say is uh, to anybody in business is you're in the talent game. No matter what, no matter what industry you're in, you are definitely in the talent game. And think about that talent in two tranches. One is the talent that you hire internally. Like what yeah. would it be? What would it look like to find six people who owned their role and had an ownership mindset towards that role? And I talk about the ownership mindset in the book pretty extensively. Um, what would it look like to have those people who you trusted implicitly and who had an ownership mindset towards their role? Those people would be faithful to the, to the brand, would help you grow in ways that you couldn't have even imagined, yeah. um, would take things off of your plate. They would expand their own roles and ask for more. And you'd be thrilled to be able to pay them more internally. You're on, the you're on the talent search. And we know what it feels like. If you're a small business, you know what it feels like to hire out of pain. When yeah. you hire somebody just to sit in a seat and to, you know, on a job description versus somebody who really owns something. You know what it feels like to have sort of a transactional relationship with somebody versus a, a collaborative sort of, we are in the conspiracy for the good of this business and we're growing this thing aggressively. That's a different feel. That's what the six can do for you internally. The six external is also super important. Frankly, if you want to go find great talent internally, go find great talent externally to your business. And this is, these are people who aren't on payroll. You know, they're not, they're not taking a K1 from the company if they're a business partner. These are people who are invested into your success, are excited about your growth, and who you can help achieve their ends as well. And so the book is mostly about finding that external talent to your business. And, um, you know, what I, what I, the paradigm that I, that I help people think through is a pyramid. And so pyramid is pretty easy. Everybody can imagine it. And, and just think of a pyramid in sort of three different tranches. You have the top of the pyramid, super, super small. And think yeah. about the relationships that would fit up there. You have sort of the middle of the pyramid and that's, you know, that's, that's where a lot of people are. And then the base of the pyramid. And if you just think about your database, all the people that you know today, whether you like it or not, almost everybody in your database is in the bottom part of the pyramid. It's just a huge section. Um, and they're not going to be that influential for referring you business, for making great connections to you, for, you know, opening new accounts for you, any of that. And so what the lead gen sort of philosophy has taught us is that actually, no, everybody is sort of equally valuable. And so you just need to touch them constantly. 
But the truth is, it's a much more efficient play to go play at the top of the pyramid. And when you find those six, those are the people that sit at the top of your pyramid. How do you think about those six? It's in, in very short hand, it's people who on a daily basis are habitually trusted and they get paid a lot of money as a result of that, or they get compensated in some way, right? So if it's a pastor at a church, they're probably not compensated uh, fiscally or a rabbi or whoever, but it's somebody who, right? The exchange is is deep trust. They're, they're trusted implicitly. You also have at the top of the pyramid people who have a decidedly owner mindset. Now, this is not necessarily somebody who has their name on the side of the building ownership type of thing. But yes. contrast that with somebody who's very sort of, they're showing up, they're working for the weekend, they're just the person who punches the clock and is out. In the book, I talk about Fred Flintstone. Fred Flintstone, you know, you know is out of there as soon as the, you know, whatever the, the, the thing that, that, you know, they pull the tail feather of and, and you know, the, the clock is done for the week and he's out for the weekend. And there's a lot of people, most people are actually in that, in that place. And that's problematic if you're trying to build a business with people who are very transactional and who don't have an ownership mindset. Right. And, but we, we try to network with those people all the time. We try, to, we try to, you know, we spend a lot of time trying to help those people get what they need, but they don't have the influence to, to really be great connectors for us, to be real influencers for our business long term. Mm -hmm. And so that's the type of talent you're looking for is at the top of that pyramid. Now, depending on the industry you're in, you're going to go about finding that talent maybe differently. You may be you may be somebody who is not out and about as much, and so that's going to look different than somebody who's curating relationships, um, you know, out on the street and and having coffees and, and lunches with people. Um, but regardless of 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 what your industry is, you can't build these types of relationships without a deep, authentic approach that understands that you're you're not looking for everybody you're looking for at best a one in 20 talent yeah right? imagine what your your organization would look like if you if you if you interviewed 20 people before you made a hire because that's how important it was the same should be true for the people that you're surrounding yourself externally as well yeah I totally agree with you yeah so yeah, finding them and managing them kind of relationship is the like a great challenge for like a lot of people, right? A lot of people don't know how to create leaders in their organization. They try to manage them like after they finding the talent, probably in a sales organization. How do you see like how they can influence them in a greater way so they can be a leader rather than a manager of their organization? Yeah, well, I mean, you become who you hang out with. And so, you know, this is... Uh, it, you know, there's sort of the, the paradigm of it's really lonely at the top, right? And, you know, the, the, there's no excuse for you to be lonely at the top. Yeah. You, you can use this, this whole paradigm to, to surround yourself with other great leaders. Yeah. One of the things that, that I have found that people who are at the top of their, of their organization or their industry who stay there long term is they are really in the business of, of wisdom distribution, if you will. And that's what, that's what they, they rely on every day. They're not relied on for information. Information is ubiquitous. We can Google that. Yeah. They're really, it's not even knowledge. It's not just acquired knowledge. It's how to take that knowledge and make it 
applicable to the difficulties that people face on a daily basis. And the people who have the most influence in their industries are the ones who, who take knowledge and actually turn it into real wisdom. What do those people then need in order to stay at the top of the industry? They need more wisdom. Um, and so what I would say is if you are at, frankly, at any point of your career, the goal is you're in the talent business and the, the rate or the, the commodity that you're exchanging cannot be exchanged by AI, right? It's something that has to be curated by great minds. And the way in which you do that is to connect great wise people to other great wise people. So imagine what a day would look like if every day you had a meeting like the one that I mentioned earlier that I had had. Every day that was your goal is to have one type, one meeting or even a candidate for that type of person, right? Yeah. It's a 120 talent. But once a month, if you're doing this, you're running into somebody who's that type of talent, just statistically. And what if every single day you also connected to amazing people because of the wisdom that they could share together mm. or offer to each other? First of all, the, per the first person they're talking about is you when they sit down or when they connect. And so that's, that's, you know, it's better than any marketing you can pay for. Yep. And secondly, those people don't forget because so few people actually, actually help these people at the top of their organizations become even more wise and to do what they do even better. They're, they're, you're going to stick out on their head in a totally different way. You want to reframe yourself to an executive, to somebody who you're trying to win over. Be a great connector of wisdom. Yeah, that's a great advice. So I know like you had a devastating moment on your life as well. Like oh, we entrepreneurs, like we go through tough times. I was about to lose my child as well last year. And it took me like a three months off from the work because I couldn't handle it. He was an IC for two months. Same thing happened with you. Like you end up losing your child as well. I know I'm so sorry for that. Thank you. But coming to the point is like a moment like this, and like running your businesses, how do they affect your business? And how did you come up with the like moving forward mentality? Like obviously we move on with our life, right? Yeah. Yeah, you do. And you've got to mourn well, right? Yeah. I mean, the reality is, you know, nobody expects to lose a child. But um, the other reality is I'm not the only father who's lost a child. And, yeah. and um, I think there's, there's a deep loneliness in, in when you don't get out of yourself and realize, gosh, there's, uh, there's a lot of people who have suffered, you know, great things. And, and, um, this is part of the human experience. Uh, you know, so there, there's a lot there, but in terms of the business, you know, fr frankly, for me, um, because, uh, this is going back, um, over 10 years ago now, when, when RJP was born, he had a, a very specific illness and it, we knew it was terminal at the time. Right. And so, um, he was with us for 14 months during those 14 months, most of that time, we were either at the hospital in intensive care or running an in intensive care unit at our house. And so quite literally, I was physically extracted from a business that I had physically built. You know, I met with all the clients. I had all the, the major account relationships. Um, it was me right on the front lines. Mm -hmm. And the great, uh, you know, the thing about um, you know, one of the great blessings, uh, that I didn't realize I was undergoing at the time was that having a child 
who needed me more than my business needed me on a physical plane forced me to go find talent and 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 invest into them frankly i wouldn't have written a book without um having jp because what 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 having him made me realize is gosh if if i were in a wheelchair how would i run this business and right. it focused me on having to go find really amazing people that i could put my name to mm-hmm. and investing into them very quickly to help them ramp up to become experts at what they did um and so i spent a ton of time on the phone but i they were my arms and my and my 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 hands out there with with the client you know putting together contracts walking sites putting together deals maintaining relationships going to lunches all of the above and so uh you know i again talent is the only thing that makes you disruption proof yeah whether it's internal external talent and so you are only as good as the people you surround yourself with and and that that type of thing is is unrepeatable you know the the type of talent that i that i was fortunate enough to to surround myself with and then um that i've continued to grow with has been totally pivotal and frankly without great people uh and and a real serious shift in my mindset you know frankly before jp i had a practice that was highly profitable mm-hmm. that depended entirely on me and if i got hit by a bus it didn't exist anymore yeah. that's not a business it's a, it's a great practice but it's not a business we talk about it as a business that's in yeah. colloquial terms but what i now have is if something happens to me everybody who works in my organizations can take care of their families and they can continue to grow the asset or they grow the organization mm-hmm. and my family is taken care of in spite you know in spite of me not being around yeah. that's real leverage but that's the it's leverage that's only obtained through great human beings who want to go on this mission with you to to do bigger things and it really you know having um having our John Paul really stretched me to think about my the, the asset class that I actually had and what it really was for my family versus what I thought I had um and that you know it was easy to get into a mode of gosh I'm making great money people are patting me on the back I'm winning awards great it doesn't mean you have a business so shift from that and it's funny I I was rereading Rich Dad Poor Dad which is one of these classics I read 25 yeah. years ago in college and if you haven't read it in a while anybody listening do so because um it really helps you think about the assets that you actually have and the assets that you think you have that are actually liabilities mm. yeah totally agree uh, i i've been hospitalized two more three months back uh, diagnosed with diabetes and I couldn't focus on my work because it affected my eyes so i can't take any calls meetings or anything i can't do day to day activity but i'm going to look at my phone lay on anything else for ear infection at the same time because I'm vulnerable so everything else, I couldn't hear anything like one oh, ear man. just gone so I totally uh, relied on my team and they took care of it my business grown like 10 15% even though I was in a hospital and I was like that's the great blessing I created because if I'm totally on me as like I'm the main man then obviously the business wouldn't go as I planned it so I learned the lesson from Three, four years back, uh, not three, four. It was seven, eight years back when I had to take a business and totally rely on me. I'm the main chef. I'm the main man, and everything. I couldn't take off because if I'm gone, that taste of the food and wasn't being right and everything. 
So that time I didn't learn the lesson until I sold the business and said, next business I'm going to do, it doesn't rely on me at all. I'm going to build a, your asset where without me can run or can sell or if I'm die or something, my wife, my family, they can like sell it or like they can manage it themselves. And that was like a great blessing. So yeah, I, yeah. I like actually that. And that's a scary thing. It's a yeah. scary thing to make, to basically make you, make your person dispensable to the business. Yeah. But the, the amazing thing of, about doing that is that's the only way to build a real asset. Sure. We're, I think we, we get so entranced in this idea, I think especially with sort of people becoming famous overnight on TikTok yeah. about sort of the celebrity status. And that's great, but that's not a business. No, they can pass it on to someone. They can sell that. Absolutely. Brand, right? Yeah. Same with my exactly. personal brand. Like I got the podcast, but I can sell the podcast. Because right. who else will be at the Russell show? Who's there? <laughs> right. And it doesn't mean it's bad. It's a point of yeah. leverage and it's an important part of what you do and your, your branding. Yeah. But it's but it's categorically different than a, than an Absolutely. asset that you can sell. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. But yeah, Patrick, we're coming to the end of this podcast. It's been a great conversation I had with you. And yeah, those who's listening, if anyone's interested to learn more about your businesses or reach out to you or like have a conversation with you, where's the best place to find you? Yeah, best best thing for me is, frankly, if you want to know more about this concept of Find Your Six, is just go to findyoursix.com, all spelled out, um, so S-I-X instead of the number. Um, that's where you'll be able to sign up for the newsletter. You get six tips weekly on that. Um, I also have a challenge that's free, and you so you can go on go and actually do what I call a find your six challenge. And it allow, it walks you through eight weeks of beginning this process of thinking this way. Cause really it's as much of a mindset shift as it is a tactical shift in your business. So you can check that out. Um, I also have a free chapter of the book on my site. So kick the tires. If you don't like it. Okay. That's fine. You, you haven't, haven't spent any money. If you do like it buy the book, buy one for a friend. And, um, and leave a review. Yeah, thank you so much for that. Really appreciate your time. I know you're super busy. And so, yeah, I wish you best of luck in your life and your career and business, man. Uh, thanks for your time again. Thanks, brother. Yeah, you're welcome. So that's it up, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast episode. I hope you got some value from it. So those who's listening, if anyone interested to reach out to Patrick, go visit his website and also reach out to him on the social media platform and grab a copy of his book. And yeah, if you need any coaching or consulting, you can reach out to him as well. So until then, I'll talk to you in the next episode. Take care.